0: It's time for Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief, Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Start with back to school. So we're full swing here now with kids back in class starting this week, and we've got the new letter grade system for kids' report cards. This kicks in now no province letter, wide.
1: The unletter grade system,
0: right? No, no more letter grades. Per Dropping grade, the letter yeah, grades
1: from one, kindergarten for faculty one through nine, what, right? But they do come back in grade 10, 11. So this is this is going to be a hot button topic, I think at least for the beginning of the school year. Um, as we talked yesterday, we first saw this back in the first one of the big attempts at this was back in the early 1990s. The NDP government inherited this royal commission that the social credit government had brought in one of the recommendations, and nobody paid attention to it at the time. Oh, let's get rid of letter grades. Harcourt, the premier at the time, I remember him basically calling a news conference in the press theater here, just steps away from here saying, that's it, we're not going to do this, changes education minister, Anita Hagan, uh, and, and said, nope, we've heard enough. They backed off on it. Totally backed off. Yeah. Although we have seen some schools have implemented their own version of this. In, in, I've got some colleagues whose kids have had this system, this non-letter grade system in middle school yeah. for some time. So it's not entirely foreign. And actually, someone sent me the report card from the early 60s yesterday oh. from, from her grade three class. Uh, I, forget where, I think we are in Langley. And it was no letter grades. Oh. It was all language describing how she was doing, okay. uh, which was a pretty informative report card, yeah. you know, as it were. Now, I wonder how parents are going to feel about these new categories. Um, emerging, developing, proficient, and exceeding. Profici- Ex- and
0: extending. Extending, sorry. Like extending. Extending, yeah.
1: extending, not exceeding. <laughs> extending. <laughs> yeah. uh, so no more straight A's. Yeah. So little Johnny or little Becky's going to come running home and say, "I got straight extendings <laughs> yeah, yeah. not referring to my hair <laughs> not extensions these yeah. are my gra- so um parents usually want sort of this um, firm indication, something they can hang on to how their kids are doing in school yeah and f- kids uh, parents were brought up through letter grades, so they're used to letter grades. Now their kids are going to be not assigned letter grades. They're going to be assigned these categories, and but my understanding is teachers can still have letter grades on tests, right? And and written exams and such, and you know, essays and such. So you can probably get a sense from those uh, marks how your kids doing.
0: I wonder if we're overthinking this, and maybe it's not such a such a big deal once it you know, once we, it kicks in.
1: We were out at a school in Victoria yesterday. Our camera, uh, Jonathan was out there didn't really pick up a lot of yeah. apprehension at all. Yeah. Amongst parents are saying, yeah, okay, we'll see how it goes.
0: Okay, let's listen to the Education Minister here. Now you're going to hear BC Education Minister Rakhna Singh, and then you will, who of course supports this, dropping the letter grades from report cards, and then you'll hear from the opposition here, BC United education critic Eleanor Sturco on the other side. Have a listen. This is something that we think is really good for the students' outcome. This will give more descriptive, back, uh, descriptive
2: feedback it's too difficult for them to understand really what the new grading system is,
0: you know, what is developing, what is emerging. Okay. I uh, would the, if the BC United form, form government after the next election though, would they bring back the letter grades? Well, we're so, far,
1: far ways away from figuring that position out. Yeah. I think Sturko is doing what an opposition member has to do, which is, you know, criticize the government. That's what opposition does. Not sure that's the official United position to um, be against this, but maybe it is. I mean, this, we're early days here. This <laughs> Second day of school. Yep. And I think both sides are going to weigh where the parents are yeah. over the next few months. So the first report card comes back when? October, November? Yeah. Um, we'll see what the reaction is then. I, I suspect it's not going to be that uh, crazy from younger grades. It's when your kids get a little older, getting approaching high school. Right. And, of course, letter grades do come back in grades 10 through 12, because that's what universities are looking at. Well, oh, there's some
0: experts who want to drop it in those grades too.
1: Yep. So, But the, the problem, I think, well, you got to get universities on board because they base yeah. their entrance requirements on, on yeah. grade point average.
0: Okay. Let's talk about overcrowded schools, which yes. I think is really key this week as well, especially in Surrey and other fast-growing cities where in some cases you see brand-new schools or schools that are maybe just a year or two old, and they're already overcrowded, <laughs> and they're putting up portables right next to a brand-new school. Why didn't yep. they build the school bigger? To begin with, have a listen to parent Fallon Vickers here. Uh, She's a Surrey parent, uh, Edgewood Elementary School in Surrey. It opened just two years ago, and it already needs portables. Have a listen.
2: If we had had a little bit of forethought, this wouldn't be necessary. We're not preparing for the density that's coming.
0: Your thoughts.
1: Well, no, we're not. And here's the problem. I went back and looked at the BC budget, the enrollment numbers from 2015 to 2018. They went up about 2,000 a year. And that was the first time we saw a sort of a growth in enrollment. We have flatlining or declining enrollment for years. Yeah. So credit schools wasn't a big deal. That was eight years ago. You look at the budget this year, and you go to the back of the budget, they have what's called material assumptions, and it's based on, you know, budget items are based on certain things. So they look at the enrollment is supposed to go up from 2021 to 2025, 37,000 kids. Now, if that follows usual patterns of settlement in BC, because our our population is exploding, partly because of immigration and other factors as well, about 130, 150,000 people a year coming into BC, 95% of those, the pattern has been settle in Metro Vancouver, the capital region or central Okanagan, primary Kelowna. Right. So 95% of those, and those are people, there's a lot of kids in there. So those 37,000 kids have to go somewhere. If you look at, if you assign basically an average of 30 kids per class, which is too high, according to the BCTF, it should be much lower than that. But just for the sake of argument, 30 kids a class, if you had 37,000 kids over four years, you know, that's uh, 1,200 more classrooms that you need. So those are your portables. Those no. are your double decker portables. Are and the portables
0: really that bad? I remember I spent. I was in a portable. I spent. Three I, did years a, in a I did one year in a portable too, and I remembered it. I, well, I remember it was just cold.
1: It was cold. <laughs> it, was, it was a long time ago. And we had a, we had a smelly heating system, I recall, <laughs> at 12th Avenue in Burnaby, but uh, also kids were kind of envious of us because we had our own little schoolhouse.
0: <laughs> now, I'm not
1: sure what. Now, this is an old portable but they're it was, better now i'm like, sure they are yeah. ours was the proverbial little red schoolhouse but yeah. it was kind of neat to separate have the separate classroom so i'm not advocating uh portals but i don't think portables are the end of the world however yeah. if you don't have good heat and if you don't have uh Good insulation and and other things that come with real classrooms. Then you, there's a problem. I right.
0: think they have improved, and uh, if I'm someone sure has have. some knowledge of that, maybe they'll hear from someone on the open line on it.
1: We never had double decker portables. No, that.
0: I've never seen a double decker portable. That's that's new. How about the cell phone ban in schools? Now this is really interesting. Have a listen to Shimmy Kang here, UBC psychology prof, on banning cell phones in schools. Have a listen.
2: Studies show that when cell phones are banned or limited. Uh, we see improved ten- attention. We see better grades. We see better sense of school community. Uh, teachers are less frustrated in general.
0: Okay, we see some provinces bringing in like province wide bands. Yeah, I think
1: Quebec, Quebec and Ontario, is, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, on, on cell phones. In BC, it's a, like a patchwork, well, it's up to individual schools well, and school
1: districts. We had a story on Global last night. Kelly standing a piece on Belmont High School. Yes. Big school here in the capital region. is yeah. Banning, you can't have uh, classrooms in class.
0: They have what they have, they have a basket at the front of yeah, the got class. And I think that we, did put a, your phone in we
1: talked about a school in Metro Vancouver the other day that had a, a similar, uh, yeah. you have to put it in a bin. I think perhaps we're going to see schools do that. I don't think you're going to see the province bring in a law. You know, I've talked yeah. about this before. I think the government's a little reluctant to get into a province wide measure on something like this. But I mean, I mean, cell phones have been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, But they're becoming more sophisticated, and they can be a distraction, obviously, at the dinner table or in classrooms. And, you know, it can be annoying when you're trying to have a conversation, let alone trying to teach someone who's buried in their phone.
0: Okay, I've also heard from parents of special needs kids who say, hang on a sec, my kid needs the phone, okay? And needs to be in touch with me. I think mean, so,
1: cell phones are basically part of everyone's life yeah. who can afford it. Um, and again, but again, taking the steps to say you can't bring it to your desk, you've got to put it in the bin, I don't think that's terribly unreasonable. Yeah, I kind of
0: like that idea myself, yeah. too. Okay, quickly, let's squeeze in um, Pierre of the federal conservative leader, on a roll here. And the advertising that they've been doing is pretty laser focused right now. And one of the big highlights and on these ads are the course of federal carbon tax. So let's listen to a Pierre Polyev ad. This is a recent axe the tax ad. Have a listen.
1: Trudeau wants to
0: raise your home heating bills by tripling the carbon tax. I'm conservative leader, Pierre Polyev. I'll ax the tax to lower your home heating, gas and grocery
1: bills. Let's keep the heat on and take the tax off.
0: Okay, keep the heat on, keep the, take the tax off. I think off. this
1: could be the dominant issue, one of the dominant issues in this campaign, and we'll see if this rubs off on other parties. Now, the Liberals and others will argue this is an irresponsible position. We have to fight climate change, and this is all tied to that. The counter-argument's going to be, well, we have a cap carbon tax, and emissions continue to go up. So is the carbon tax doing what it's supposed to do? One side argue no, but sort of embedded in this is the old classic Axe the tax, yeah, yeah, and that's a pretty strong political slogan, an effective one. And, and
0: I think it really puts the liberals in a difficult position. They had tried to per- portray Polyev recently as being very irresponsible on the environment and especially on climate change. Yep. They called him an arsonist. Yeah, they said Polyev is like an arsonist because yeah. of these wildfires that are burning from climate change. Yeah,
1: but over the top, but yeah. uh, you know they're gonna you're gonna see some heated rhetoric. Now it's gonna be interesting whether this spills over into provincial politics mm. across the country. Uh, I'm sure Danielle Smith, you know, she's no fan of the carbon tax. Let's bring it home to B.C. So the NDP originally opposed the carbon tax. Right. When the liberals brought it, the old B.C. Liberal Party brought it in in 2008, and that was the centerpiece of the 2009 election. Now the NDP's in government, they support the carbon tax, and it continues to increase I don't think it'll be interesting if the BC United changes its position on the carbon tax come the next election campaign. I don't, it's harder to do in BC cause it's more embedded here. It's been around longer. It's a now $2.3 billion revenue item and it's hard to get rid of it. Okay. If not impossible.
0: We go right to your phone calls, Joe in Abbotsford. Hi Joe, go ahead. Hey
2: Mike. Um, yeah. I was just hearing about the portable. Yeah. My wife's a teacher in Langley. She works out of a portable and, uh, Yeah, they're all cracked up as what you say they are. They are, like, cold in the wintertime, yes, but in the summertime, really hot. No AC, Mm. you know, no no bathrooms. For her to actually take a bathroom break, she has to go into the school, leave her kids, which she can't do. So she has to, like, hold on and wait for lunch. But then at lunch, she has students. She has to, like, help. So,
1: you know, the portables are not all that great, I think. Oh, no. Thank no. you, thank you, Joe. That no, makes a good point. Ventilation, and you know, goes back for years. You know, the cold in the winter, too hot in the summer. Yeah, some things never seem to change. Well, you and
0: I were just talking off air there how we both went, had port- went to school in portables for a while, and I remember in the winter we had our coats on during class. Yeah, you know, I mean, we didn't, didn't take mean, our coats. Our on.
1: heat would break down from time yeah. to time. Not the winters not as bad out here as the were for you in Ontario, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, there was a couple. Cold um, mornings in the winter, and yeah. even we'd get notes saying the heat is expected to be off for the next two days. You know, dress oh. dress appropriately. Yeah, right. Great, Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead.
2: I wonder if Joe's wife's teaching my uh, daughter there. She just started uh, middle school, and she's in a, port- a portable. And they got uh, about eight new ones at this school. Um, mm. And actually, we've been doing the letter grades. It's interesting, you guys, talking about this switching over to extending for fish and all that. My yeah. son went through for he's in grade eleven, and since uh, grade nine they, they changed back over to uh, to letter grades. But he's been doing it all the way through high school or uh, elementary school for a long time. But anyways, my point was is uh, can we not tie um, immigration to inflation in the sense that you know you talk Keith about bringing people over for these jobs, but when they bring these people over from other countries, they also bring dependents, uh, kids, mm-hmm. lots of kids, uh, mothers, uh, mothers and fathers that are now dependents and. The school is a perfect example. You know, we're, we're overcrowding now. We're for ourselves, our taxpayers. We're getting less value for our money because we're kids are stuffed into schools that, that can't uh, that can't handle the, the, the population mm-hmm. of students. And so, I just wonder if you know, constantly having to build out the social systems, the the hospitals, the schools, and all that government okay. spending there isn't that. Thank not you, having Chris. An
1: yeah, Thank Chris, you, Chris. Raises the point we've talked about many times. I mean, the gov- federal government has really increased the annual immigration levels, yes. ostensibly to deal with the worker shortage. But as Chris points out, you're not bringing when you bring one person in; it's usually a family, and people have to go to school somewhere, they need to get healthcare somewhere, Yeah. and so this basically greatly increases. I mean, I, I was struck by this in the pandemic when you know I had to look at COVID stats and constantly looking at. B.C.'s population versus other population and doing all these comparisons. And I noticed, wait a minute. So our population used to be 5.1 million. And then almost overnight, it became 5.4 million. So our population was growing very quickly because of, uh, for a number of reasons, then enhanced by the immigration levels. And- more and more people are talking about this are this and and the premiers are talking about this too. Yes. They want the federal government if you're going to raise immigration levels to that point, we're the ones who have to absorb everyone. Everyone has to work, live where we are and we provide two three there's three particular areas of concern. Education because we provide education, healthcare, healthcare. we provide healthcare, and the third one is housing. housing. One. Yeah. And so you put and that's why housing prices remain very high. They haven't gone down. And they're not going to go down because the number, the demand is and it's going not, to constant.
0: And it's not only immigration, but it's also international students, which is at record high levels, yes. 900,000 international students. huge
1: number year. of international students on yeah. top of immigration. And then yeah, many right. international students end up staying here. And, and sure. the federal government in a couple of weeks ago, was disclosed was miscounting the number of people actually coming here mm. by a million a year, Oh, um, which has all sorts of implications for all sorts okay. of programs.
0: Squeeze in one more call. Daryl and Coquitlam. Daryl, you got 30 seconds here.
2: I think that British Columbians are confused about uh, Polyev's acts, the tax. British Columbia has its own carbon tax. He mm-hmm. can axe it federally. It will continue here. It was put in by Gordon Campbell, and it is not revenue neutral anymore. And maybe you can comment on how much the provincial government treasury is taking in from the carbon tax.
1: Thank you, Daryl. Yeah, no, Daryl makes a very good point. Um, Paul Ev can't touch BC's carbon tax. He's right. talking about the federal one, um, which you will know, eventually get up to where we are. Uh, it's a $2.3 billion revenue item, I believe. Or take a couple hundred million dollars, which is a huge number. When it was first brought in, it was like three hundred million a year. Yeah, it was was peanuts compared to the rest of the budget. Now, now it's now, a huge line item. In the bu- it's a yeah, huge, huge line revenue. And he's right; it's not revenue neutral. It has been revenue neutral for some time. It's going to be almost impossible for a government to say no to it. He thanks a lot. Get know out.